And welcome back to the Dynamic Nonprofits podcast and the latest in our series of groundbreaker interviews of people that are doing groundbreaking work in the nonprofit sector. And um, we have a great guest today that I'm very excited to speak to. Uh, We had some great conversations offline and um, I think um, uh, our our next guest, uh, Kyle Gardner, brings a, a really unique perspective to the conversation. He is the uh, senior development manager over at Charity Navigator. And uh, of course, uh, the charity rating sites, the rating system, the impact on fundraising, those are all very big topics of conversation in our industry. And uh, at Charity Navigator, Kyle is uh, responsible for their small dollar donors, as well as their monthly frequent navigator uh, donor program. And we're very pleased to welcome to the show right now uh, for what should be a, a lively and topical discussion. Kyle Gardner, welcome to the Dynamic Nonprofits podcast. Dan, thank you so much uh, for having me. I've been listening to uh, some of your most recent pods and uh, really have been enjoying the content. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate that and we appreciate your time. And um, before we get into uh, the nitty gritty with what's going on over at Charity Navigator and some other hot button topics in the fundraising sector, we like to start by asking all of the guests that come on the show to uh, take us through their origin story and explain how they got into this wonderful business of, of fundraising with so many unique backgrounds. Uh, would you mind sharing uh, how you uh, got to where you are today at Charity Navigator and how you got started? Yeah, yeah, most certainly. So, um, if you if you've seen my LinkedIn bio, I uh, give a, a brief background on myself by saying that uh, I'm a fundraiser who views the lens, or excuse me, views fundraising through the lens of community organizing. And what that stems from is the fact that prior to Charity Navigator, I was a political fundraiser uh, for campaigns and for. Uh, party organizations. Um, Joining Charity Navigator was my first time really fundraising for an organization that wasn't, you know, outright political. Um, And in fact, we're not political at all. I should say that. (laughs) But uh, um, really enjoy it, really connect with uh, the work that we do. Um, Background on my, you know, what I was doing when I was uh, fundraising in politics. So, did a little bit in the Midwest, uh, where I'm from originally. Uh, I'm a Kansas Jayhawk. Uh, did a little bit uh, on the East Coast and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a, by nature, it's a bit of a sprint. Uh, you know, you have a sort of deadline in which your, your organization, you're, you're rushing to build up and do as much as you can, sort of withers away, and that's, that's an election date. Um, Whereas, you know, nonprofits, they're a bit more marathons. You do have sprints, right, with, with capital campaigns, but uh, they're a bit more marathon-like. And that's what I was really looking for um, as I was kind of evaluating whether or not, uh, you know, I wanted to continue working in politics or not. Uh, so after the, the 2017 election, uh, I was looking around at nonprofit jobs hadn't even heard of Charity Navigator before. Uh, I had just been so focused on a political world, I think that, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of the nonprofit world missed my radar, unfortunately. And, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was around the time of the, the hurricane. How pertinent is this? Uh, you know, we're recording the, the day that uh, Hurricane Laura is hitting 
the Gulf, unfortunately. But uh, around the time that I found out about Charity Navigator and, and the posting um, for their senior development manager position was around the time that we saw those terrible hurricanes um, around the Gulf as well with Harvey, Irma, and Michael, and uh, was perusing the website and really fell in love with their their mission. You know, really instill trust in giving to uh, impactful organizations, especially around times of of disaster. And uh, you know, we we have a lot going on at the moment. Uh, we have a lot of you know irons and different fires with our new rating system, but. Uh, Really what I'm thinking about the most today is, is uh, just everything that's going on in our world with the, the hurricanes, um, you know, the, the derecho that hit uh, the Midwest, uh, the fires we have going on in California, and, uh, you know, the, the everything civil rights related. Uh, we have hot topic lists on all those, and those are lists uh, that highlight three or four star rated charities, highly rated charities that are directly working on those issues. And uh, I would be remiss not, not to mention uh, that work and uh, how important it is to me, but the whole team and uh, our users and donors. But uh, that's, uh, I, I think that's uh, where I'll leave my bio at. No, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And, and of course, um, I, I think we, we both, uh, both of our hearts are with uh, everyone that's in the hurricane's path um and uh, you know i think one and i, I do want to dive into your new rating system and i know there's a lot to talk about there but um something interesting that that you mentioned is um your background in politics and we share that kinship i do a lot of work in the political sector and one of my favorite kind of pastimes is looking at what can be brought over to the charitable sector from the political world and vice versa. And I'm just curious, coming into Charity Navigator, where um, your mission focus is very different from the political world, um, is there anything that you brought over that you feel brought a unique perspective to the job that maybe uh, somebody that just has a strictly charitable background may not have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. Um, I think, uh, I think what I would say is that it kind of aligns with, uh, sort of transitioning from a sprint to a marathon and that if, uh, if, you know, something was breaking news, um, more often than not, when I was working on campaigns, the next question would be after you read the headline is, all right, what fundraising email are we going to send out around this today? So really being trained to turn on a dime and uh, you know, you, 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 at nonprofits you do and, and campaigns, you obviously do have, you know, long, long game plan strategies. Like uh, this month we want to do this campaign or this over the course of the, these few months, we're going to be doing this campaign, be it direct mail, you know, digital. Um, but uh, trying to, fold in that sort of more reactionary training that, uh, that I was conditioned to in, in political world as something that I've, I've definitely noticed I've, I've begun <laughs> advocating for uh, in my work at Charity Navigator and uh, kind of also along those lines, upping the volume of emails. I think um, what, I've, what I've seen and what I've heard across the nonprofit sector 
this I'm coming up on three years technically of, of, of joining it this, this, uh, this December is sort of a hesitance to, you know, up the, up the volume of email communications you're sending out. And so long as you, you know, are practicing, uh, to, to, to give a good shout out, uh, responsive fundraising, uh, you know, you had, had Gabe, uh, who really is fantastic, uh, on recently to speak to, to responsive fundraising, as long as you're, you know, not being too overbearing, um, I think, I think you should, as a sector, we should consider generally, there's some who do a lot already, but, um, really upping the, the number of email communications we, we send they're you know, pretty cheap, um, as compared to, to direct mail and, uh, the sort of optimization testing that you, you can do within them is just incredible. And, uh, yeah, I, th I think that would be sort of my biggest takeaway there. Yeah. I think I would agree with that, that, um, I, I find it interesting that in the charitable world, there's a lot of focus on what well, we don't want to bother our donors too much or con or contact them too much. And, um, yeah, and Gabe Cooper, of course, a friend of the show, uh, I think one of the things that I took away from that interview is that it, it's not about frequency, it's about relevance. And mm -hmm. um, if anything, I think maybe the political world um, is very good at the frequency and sometimes is not as good with the relevance and value and, and could learn a lot from that as well. But it mm -hmm. certainly is interesting when you have those dual perspectives. So I appreciate you sharing that experience and uh, I think anytime we could have people in the industry have that multifaceted perspective, I think it's good. It's it's good for the business because we're mixing different perspectives and ideas. And, um, you know, that, that's something that I've, I've been pretty fast, uh, passionate about is that uh, the di different sectors within the industry, they all kind of have their unique elements, but they all have a lot to add to each other. So uh, I think that's tremendous that you've been able to bring over that approach from the political world. Um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, Charity Navigator plays a very important role, um, you know, especially now where there's so much going on and whether there's uh, a, a natural disaster or the hot button um, social issue that people feel compelled to respond to and help out with as there is right now with social justice and, and the Black Lives Matter movement. The first question people ask is, um, how can I help? And that's where Charity Navigator plays such an important role. Can you just give us a quick primer about what Charity Navigator does? I'm sure most of the audience knows, but just kind of fill in what mm -hmm. your mission is and um, what your role is in the nonprofit ecosystem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, our mission, start there, is to make impactful philanthropy easier for all uh, note the the for all there and not just some so all of our websites all of our resources on our website are completely free uh, behind zero no paywalls at all um, and that's that's something we we think is just absolutely important um, we get about 10 million visits to our site uh, each year and when you're on our site, you can create a completely free uh, user account. And that allows you to do multiple things. Uh, what I use it for mostly myself 
is to look at uh, 990s. So uh, we have a large amount of 990s for the you know, 1.6 million uh, charities registered with the IRS on our website, and you can peer at them, the most recent ones for charities, by creating an account. Um, we also have the ability for folks to give to charities through our website when they're looking at the charity ratings pages. So on each ratings page, uh, unless the charity is opted out, you can decide to make a donation to them and do multiple ones and check out in one fell swoop uh, through our giving basket. And uh, actually since the beginning of COVID, I guess you could mark that as March 1, uh, we've seen over 8 million given by 23,000 donors to over 7,000 uh, nonprofits through the Giving Basket platform. And since its inception uh, back in 2016, in total, it's been about 92 million that has been distributed through it. So we're coming up on the, on the 100 million mark, which is going to be really cool. But uh, yeah, just one thing that, that not many folks know us for. Um, not many folks know that, that we are a nonprofit too. And, and that's, that's where I come in. I liken it a lot to Wikipedia, right? Uh, when you're you know, doing your research on there, it's, at least for me, really not until I see an embedded uh, ask, you know, a modal or an alert that I remember they're a charity and, and you know, the, the case they're making in those about how important their work is. And, you know, uh, I, need, I need to support them more. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Uh, they do great work as well. But uh, we, at least, at least last fiscal year, um, we had about 3.8 million in donation revenue and about 80% of that was from smaller dollar donors. And uh, that's where I come in. Uh, that's my primary focus is smaller dollar donors. Uh, our average donation last fiscal year was $68. So our users are folks who, you know, give a wider, wide range of amounts, but uh, um, a lot of them really are smaller dollar donors um, just looking to, you know, feel confident in who they're giving to uh, year over year. So, uh, now to the bread and butter, right? Our, our ratings. So uh, up until last month, so middle of July, we were rating 9,000 of the nation's largest 501c3s through our zero to four star rating system, uh, what we're most known for. And we had gotten lots of feedback uh, <laughs> over the evolution of, of that rating system uh, in, in multiple areas of it, but strictly from our users and donors, uh, it was to simply to rate more charities and, you know, smaller charities, uh, newer charities because of the zero to four star rating system. Uh, some of the, the, uh, eligibility criteria on that, or you have to be at least seven years old, um, a million, a million or more in annual revenue and uh, more than, uh, excuse me, at least 40% of your revenue is coming from uh, individuals. So uh, not to jump ahead, because uh, I know we are going to talk about Encompass in, in uh, you know, greater in depth, 
But so we did recently release a new rating system called Encompass. Uh, and through that, we are now rating 160,000 uh, charities, um, C3s, I should say. And uh, yeah, that's, I think that's a, a good primer on, on uh, what we're doing. No, excellent. And uh, yes, we definitely are going to get into the, um, the new rating system because I think there's a lot of exciting developments there for um, small to mid-sized charities for, sh- for certain. Um, one quick question I want to ask before then. So $100 million. So um, I think it's important for listeners to, to hear that number and to realize that there is uh, a lot of uh, commerce that's passing through charity navigator as um kind of a gateway on their donor journey on the donor journey that we talked so much about do you have a sense um what types of donors go through your sites are these mostly new people are they established donors that are giving to multiple organizations Mm -hmm. um what kind of person um generally speaking is Mm -hmm. using uh charity navigator as a as a reference point to decide whether to contribute to an organization or which one to contribute to? Yeah. So the, the folks that are harnessing our giving basket tool, it's really a mix. And we've heard some, some really powerful stories from uh, charities. They are getting completely new donors from the giving basket. Um, That's, that's their first conversion point sometimes. Uh, sometimes it is, you know, donors who say, all right, these are the three charities that I give to annually. Uh, they come to our site because a charity, one of those charities had included the charity navigator four-star trust indicator, uh, on their direct mail piece. Uh, they then, you know, say who, Hey, who's this charity navigator? Uh, how are they rating this organization? They come to our site. They see that we have the giving baskets. Uh, option and then they move all their giving uh, to our our site and uh, you could actually set up uh, monthly donations as well as uh, uh, other cadences as well and uh, then when they're on our site you know we swap out uh, the banner images uh, our hero images as we call them on our front page uh, with, you know, kind of what's going on with the times right now. We just, we just put a new one in for a hot topic for uh, hurricane Laura. So when they're on our site, they are finding new charities more often than not to, to research and begin supporting. And uh, when they log into their account, their free account on our website, they can manage their recurring donations uh, through through the giving basket, they can look at their previous giving history on our site. So it's a, it, some donors really like it because it's a you know a, a complete ledger. When it's time to do your taxes, you just need to log into your Charity Navigator account, and so long as you you know conducted all of your giving uh, online through our website, uh, then it's really easy for you to to itemize. Um, but just also just to take a glance at uh you know what you've given to uh, if you're not on itemizing uh, donors really enjoy that yeah i think that that's important information to share um, and, and for development directors and uh and presidents of organizations and board members to, to understand is that um, i think sometimes we 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 intuitively know that the rating system and the charity navigator um uh, co-branding on our mail pieces is important 
but there really is a dollar value to this and how donors utilize it. And, and clearly, if you can get into a giving basket of someone's Charity Navigator profile, um, that can have um, positive, positive benefits uh, for the lifetime value for donors down the road. So it really is more than just um, a symbolic thing. And I think a lot of the discussion around rating sites sometimes are a little bit abstract, um, that we know they're important, but we're not really sure why. So I appreciate you breaking down those details. And um, now I do want to get into um, the new rating system because I think there's a lot of exciting developments there. Um, can you, um, and you, you did kind of get into a little bit of this um, previously, but can you just explain what the difference is in the new system, um, which, what types of organizations it's geared towards, and how the metrics may be different from um, what we typically associate with uh, Charity Navigator ratings? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And before I get to that, I would be remiss not to call out that uh, we take absolutely zero portion of, uh, you know, donations through the giving baskets. Uh, but folks are, uh, you know, prompted to give us an additional gift, uh, a, qu- a quote unquote tip, if you will. And that's how we actually find uh, a lot of our new donors is through the giving basket tips. But uh, in terms of Encompass, so... I will, I will do my best. Our, uh, our CEO and President Michael Thatcher actually recently did a really good interview on the Nonprofit Times podcast. And uh, if uh, um, you know, you're interested in hearing from him directly, would definitely recommend checking it out. Or if Dan, if you want to have him on, I'm, I'm sure um, he'd be interested in uh, the potential of that. But uh, so the Charity Navigator zero to four star rating system uh, it is still up and it is living alongside uh, Encompass. And Encompass is currently rating 151,000 charities. So combined, that's where we get that 160,000 figure that, that we currently rate. Um, Encompass is on a zero to 100 system. Whereas, you know, the zero to four star rating, there actually is on the back end of that, a zero to 100 system as well, but it rolls up into uh, stars. So there are sharp breaks there. And we actually did a lot of surveys about you know, how to lay out Encompass. And what we saw time and time again was that zero to 100 uh, made the most sense to, to get you know, rid of those sharp breaks um, where there you know, might not be too much of a difference in, in between a three and a four star charity, but your perception of a three-star is vastly different than a four-star, even though we recommend giving to both three- and four-star uh, charities. So the, the overall spirit of Encompass was you know, gathering all of the feedback uh, we've received from users, donors, and other nonprofits in terms of how we could be doing what we do better uh, and wanting to be more of a source of uplifting good, right? In terms of being, you know, a place where you can go to, to increase trust in the sector um, and not being, you know, viewed as sort of this, this punitive entity. So the, that was the spirit. Now, what it, what it breaks out into right now is in what we've laid out is that an Encompass rating has four 
beacons that roll up into what will be a final score. And in July, we only released one of the beacons. Um, we're, we're taking this release uh, over a two-year period and in an agile sort of framework. And we released finance and accountability first. That's the first beacon, simply because um, we had sort of ideas around that and research and analysis behind it already. And, you know, we wanted to get it to market as soon as possible. So what it is, is five, um, there's five tenets of it. And there's far less of an emphasis on finances than there is with the financial element of the zero to four star uh, rating system. So finance and accountability is program expense ratio. ratio. Um, we've already seen some, some feedback on that. And, uh, you know, you could get a uh, passing score for that, that beacon uh, even if you are only at uh, 50% on, on that, on that uh, ratio. And there's less than 5% that are actually below that 50% mark. So we felt like that, you know, was a, pre a pretty honest point to make and something that our donors and users, you know, really, really wanted us to, to continue to, to use. And, as we begin to roll out the other beacons, we're trying to do one essentially every six months. Uh, the next ones will be impact and results. It's a huge question, you know, that's loomed over the sector for a while. How can you rate impact? We'll hopefully be, be working on that. Uh, well, I can tell you we are. Uh, leadership and accountability, and, excuse me, leadership and adaptability is, uh, is another, and then culture and community. So I already said program expense ratio is one of the elements of uh, finance and accountability. Some others are uh, board composition. So that takes a look at, uh, you know, do you have uh, a healthy mix of, of independent uh, board members? Uh, another one is independent audit in financial review. Uh, are you conducting those? Uh, liability to assets ratio. That is critically important when you get into discussions of, you know, sustainability of an organization. Um, and then website listed rounds out the, the fifth point of finance and accountability with Encompass. So um, you're listing that on your 990 R, you know, do you have a website, right? Some charities do list their, their Facebook, which we count. Um, but are you giving donors the opportunity to, to really peer into your digital presence? Uh, and we wanted to, to reward that. Um, so there's much more to come and it's, it's an iterative process. And actually internally, we, have been referring to where this, this is a sea change because we did release the official branding of Encompass, but internally we had been referring to Encompass as the experimental rating system uh, because it is, you know, we're setting out 
as you know an agile product and uh, you know with an iterative process in mind and uh, understood that uh, you know we we are going to be having our ear to the ground and and, and testing and um, also you know not trying to disrupt critical moments for for the sector so you know not trying to do anything especially to to negatively impact uh the giving season is going to be pretty critically important with our with our next release so uh that's yeah i think i'll i'll leave the the background at that and encompass is targeted at um small to mid-sized organizations is there uh, a dollar level yep that that organizations would qualify to be a part of Encompass? Yeah, yeah. So like I mentioned, uh, with the zero to four star rating system, that uh, watermark in terms of revenue was 1 million and age was seven years. With Encompass, that has moved to 250,000 or more in terms of annual revenue. And then three years uh, of Forms 990, so yeah, younger, uh, smaller, uh, more local um, was was definitely a really big big focus of ours. Well, I think there's there's a ton to to like here and um, plenty to to dig into. Um, you know, for one thing, I think it's a credit to Charity Navigator that you were listening to the industry and you. Um, modified your approach, you added a new rating system, which I'm sure took a lot of research and development on your end, but it really demonstrates your commitment to the industry and as well as a donor-centric approach because um, this really does put small uh, upstart organizations um, up to, to midsize on, a, on a, a closer to an even playing field with the large legacy brand name organizations um, because it gives them an opportunity to uh, to showcase their their impact alongside. But I think just the fact that you're talking about a number system is interesting because um, I think that eliminates a lot of red tape because organizations won't feel compelled to jump through hoops to try to get a three star rating versus a four. We can now see that it's much more nuanced than that. So that that's um, that's a huge positive, especially for. Uh, smaller organizations that may not have entire teams dedicated to um, optimizing their their charity ratings, um, but but I think the other thing is that it just gives donors more information to make choices based on their values. Donors, uh, it seems, want um, are asking a lot more questions before they support organizations. They want to support organizations that align with their values. So, if they want to support organizations that place um, a high priority on diversity and inclusion and are following through on that, you're giving them this, this information. So what I see that you're doing is, is you're really opening up the marketplace and, and truly empowering donors to make personal decisions based on the types of organizations they want to support, but also these little nuanced things that are important to the individual. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, when we had the rollout of the first beacon, along with that came some communications uh, that I actually helped put together directly to uh, direct response uh, vendors. Uh, it was mostly info accounts that I was able to, to scrape, but uh, letting them know that their 
clients very well could have just gotten their first charity navigator rating. And that if they visit our website and their ratings page on our website, if they receive the passing score uh, with encompass of you know, 75 or higher, um, they can actually download a digital toolkit that includes their give with confidence charity navigator encompass seal, you know, to include on their online donation forms, you know, alongside all other trust indicators they may have, be that GuideStar, you know, Better Business Bureau. Um, and, and, and a lot of charities were just ecstatic about it. Uh, we've definitely follow us, uh, shout out to our social media team. Uh, definitely follow, follow us on social, um, Instagram, particularly is where I in, uh, interact with, with our content. But uh, just a bunch of charities receiving their first charity navigator rating and then sharing it on their stories. And then we're resharing those. We're retweeting all those stories. Um, but yeah, got, gotten some good feedback from uh, the folks at the uh, direct response uh, agencies we were able to, to you know, scrape together and, and um, alert them to this about. Yeah. And, and the other aspect is, um, I think one of the, the criticisms I hear sometimes uh, is that organizations feel like rating systems in general um, penalize organizations whose missions inherently require uh, a higher level of investment or organizations mm -hmm. that want to invest more in acquisition to develop uh, better lifetime uh, value relationships with their donors. But here you're really kind of spelling out that information so donors can see right in front of them that even if an organization does invest more in development, if that's demonstrating itself in, um, in, in impact on the back end, now this is front and center in an easy to understand number so they can see that the money is not being wasted. It's just being invested in uh, the development and enhancement of their mission. Yeah, and definitely honoring, you know, the the uh, sort of label we, we rightfully use sometimes in the sector, I think we use it more as an innovation uh, sector in, you know, the, the breakpoints we put in the new program expense ratio for Encompass and saying that, um, you know, you could be at 50% or higher for program expense ratio and still pass, I think, uh, I think is really critical in, in that discussion. Yeah, honestly, I think that aspect in general is a big service to the industry. Um, you know, you you work, you have the unique perspective of working both um, at a, a charity rating site, but also a nonprofit uh, yourself, as you mentioned. So you, you have a, uh, that combined perspective on this. But personally, one of the things that I've been uh, trying to get out there more is that I think a lot of organizations aren't investing enough in development, and that may be partially responsible for retention issues that we see in the industry that organizations feel compelled to lower their overhead or have a, a higher return on investment. And, and the end product of that is, um, is they're not investing enough to acquire the types of donors who are going to be valuable long-term donors and have sustained relationships with the organization. And here you're, you're really empowering organizations to take that approach if they think that's what's going to be best over the long haul. And um, the, the less organizations can focus on those top line front end numbers, I, I think that's only that that's only uh, a positive for the sector as a whole.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I would be uh, remiss not to to mention that we do rate ourselves. So uh, actually, it was in gosh, I think it was March, just pre COVID, that uh, we we were eligible to to rate ourselves with a four star rating, and uh, we did so, and, and we did receive uh, you know four stars, but. Uh, you know, same goes for Encompass, sort of all of our special sauce is out there on full display. And, uh, you know, we, we rate ourselves the same way we rate others, you know, it just goes into, to our ratings, uh, application and, and, you know, spits out, spits out a score. And you kind of, uh, alluded to this, but there are, you know, some, some larger organizations that are able to, uh, devote some, you know, team power to, Kind of projecting what their their charity navigator uh, new scores will be once we receive their new 990 uh, from the IRS, um, and that you know definitely speaks to the the important role we play. Yeah, it certainly doesn't get m- much more transparent than that if you're reading yourself and you're subjecting your own nonprofit to uh, these criteria that uh, other organizations are being evaluated on. So I think that is a tremendous bit of transparency. Um, I, I also um, I want to tap into your experience um, in your development role at uh, Charity Navigator, because I think you have a tremendous perspective uh, for listeners. Uh, one of the things that we talked about offline is um, the unsiloed approach that Charity Navigator has um, embraced by combining mm-hmm. on and offline fundraising into a, a single um, into a single department, essentially. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your feelings about an unsiloed approach to yeah. fundraising and maybe even share some anecdotes about some benefits that you've seen from it internally? Yeah, no, for sure. So we uh, we definitely have an interesting uh, and, and powerful story to tell there in terms of uh, unsiloing fundraising. So uh, I, I joined the Charity Navigator team in the, the midst of the giving season 2017 uh december 11 2017 if i remember correctly so it was it was a very busy time but at that point in time we had uh three c-suite members and uh side note we're actually a very small team many many people think we're we're quite large we only have 23 uh, full-time staff members uh, very devoted ones uh and hard-working ones at that i uh, love all my colleagues but uh, we, at that time, we had three uh, C-suite members. We had a CEO role. We still have that one. And then we have two that we actually uh, don't have right now. Um, so that was a chief development officer. Uh, that was Shannon McCracken. She hired me. Shout out to, to Shannon. She's incredible. She's now with the, the Nonprofit Alliance. And then we had a uh, CEO, COO position as well, uh, chief operating uh, officer. And that role oversaw bunch of things, but um, they had the the marketing and communications uh, team under their scope. And then, of course, Shannon, the development, had the development team. And so we found ourselves in a position in 2018 where uh, both the C- CDO and COO had moved on. And we, you know, kind of stepped back and said, you know, does it make sense to potentially combine elements of those roles. Um, and what we ended up on, what we ended up doing was creating a completely new C-suite role 
the chief relationship officer, um, who's now Kevin Scally. Uh, he is my boss, but I will definitely give him a shout out. Uh, he's a great one at that. Um, and so Kevin oversees development and marketing and comms in one, you know, umbrella. Uh, we have weekly meetings together. That wasn't something we had when we had uh, sort of those, those siloed teams uh, flowing upward. And uh, we really view our efforts as complementary. Uh, whereas, you know, prior you could maybe, maybe consider them a bit as countervailing. You know, what one hand is doing isn't necessarily always aligning with the other, whereas now we are, you know, essentially one body and making different gestures with, with both hands. But uh, we are, you know, speaking in unison is, I think, a good way uh, to describe it. And in terms of, you know, how that... Uh, is less abstract <laughs> than that uh, description. Um, you know, something, you know, very recent. So I'm putting together a, a, a small campaign for the, the month of September, uh, completely digital. And, uh, you know, having conversations uh, with, with the uh, marketing and comms folks on our social strategy, you know, laying that out. And they have known about the campaign and sort of the first sets and have had their eyes on the first sets of creative we put together uh, for some time now. It's not at the point where, you know, you are going to a social media team with everything put together and just be like, all right, go do, let's figure this out. They've been a part of the conversation um, and have, uh, you know, heard the, the discussion we've had on, on getting the first set of creative together. And uh, it really, uh, really creates a, a better sense of uh, camaraderie, uh, I think, in, in terms of, you know, getting marketing and comms um, in our world earlier in, uh, in, in project creation. Um, and, and that flows, that flows both ways. I definitely feel, you know, a, a bigger connection to, to their work as well. And, uh, one tool that, that has really, really helped us uh, sort of organize this, uh, this new unsiloing is JIRA. So it wasn't until, gosh, I think we've been living into JIRA for a little over a year now. But uh, just having a board strictly devoted to the development, marketing, and comms team has just really made our work a lot easier um, and I can't, I can't, uh, can't say that enough and how much I, I would advocate for, um, you know, teams like ours using a software like Jira to, to work on their projects. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, further on siloing, um, I would say that, uh, we do a good job in that, uh, with Encompass, when we were talking to, uh, the branding agency, we actually went with for the the project second melody who's in uh, Morristown so near you and I, Dan Morristown, New Jersey um, fundraising had a seat at the table and it wasn't just uh, fundraising at the top, you know, the, the C-suites um, me and my other development colleagues were there. And uh, we also have light bulb meetings. So there's a, there's a really fun sort of moments to 
uh, interact with uh, the rest of the staff on any given topic, um, whether that's, uh, you know, looking at the, the work that the ratings team is doing on uh, Encompass and, and the future beacons and, you know, any, you know, you know feedback and questions and, and, you know, pokes we can make and discussion points we can have uh, is, is fantastic and really enjoyable. We have those about every two weeks. And, uh, you know, I guess another one, and I'll leave it at that, is with Encompass's uh, crowdfunding that we did. That was, that was our spring campaign uh, that I helped run, was crowdfunding the start of uh, Encompass. And it was a really, really great campaign. We saw a lot of success with it and uh, performed a, a lot better than our uh, spring campaign year over year. A screen campaign of 2019 and uh you know got a lot a lot of excitement around it we had a classy landing page that's uh so classy is our our, our primary uh primary donation processor in support of our work uh had a landing page that had a you know big thermometer on it saying this was this was our goal uh by the end of the screen campaign and really the whole team bought into it they would uh you know be logging into the landing page and uh you know, wanting to see where we're at, you know, congratulating the team and, and just really created a, a really powerful sense of uh, camaraderie that, uh, you know, has been just a, a massive benefit of, of, you know, continually uh, unsidling our fundraising. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all those, those details in the background. Um, unsiloed fundraising is, um, is really, or advocating for unsiloed fundraising is one of the key missions of this podcast. And, um, it's not just something that we um, like talking about. I, I truly believe that it helps build more efficient organizations that have better fundraising operations. And it, it's just so important to hear those success stories out there because um, yeah, I think what you guys are doing is really setting an example for the sector and how you're creating a collaborative culture. Uh, one of the first guests that we had on, on this podcast was uh, Lee Elias, a friend of the show, mm. good friend of mine, and he was talking about uh, teamwork. He's a team builder, and um, with the idea of creating a culture that would allow for this kind of thing. And I think that's what most organizations struggle with: is when um, is is getting everybody to put their egos aside and sit down at the same table and to work towards a common goal. So the fact that you've been able to successfully do this speaks a lot to your culture. Um, in, in the few minutes that we have left, um, can you share any words of advice or words of wisdom about your culture internally and, and what allowed everybody to get on the same page and work towards a common goal with a shared voice without worrying about their own individual, um, th their own individual performance, so to speak? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think it's a lot of uh, a lot of things. I think it's most importantly, um, and this is one of our, one of our favorite words. Uh, shout out to uh, um, Nancy Sadek on our team, who who were uh, as our director of uh, finance. Uh, the word iterative, um, treating things as an iterative process. Um, you may not get everything right. But as long as you are always, uh, you know, considering, you know, how things went 
what could go better and what you want to see go better, um, you're going to always end up in, in a better place. And one prime example of this is our um, organizational health survey. So it's something that our HR team does. Um, we used to be doing it monthly. We've now switched to quarterly. But it is a set of just, you know, very honest questions. Uh, and it's uh, something that is sent out to the whole staff and it's, it's anonymous. Um, and uh, we've, we've changed some of the questions over time. We've uh, you know, added new ones, but uh, it's something that uh, is, the results are analyzed and looked at by, um, you know, our senior leadership team. And, and we adjust, we just, the you know topics of our team meetings, the structure of our team meetings, uh, be they you know just teams or, or all staff, and uh, sort of you know just just a, an an honest look at how everyone in the organization is feeling and what we can do to improve it, and it's just been a really really powerful tool for us to. Um, you know, give voice to everyone and in a sort of, you know, democratized fashion. I think that has been one really powerful tool for us to, to get us in, in, in the place that, that we're at. But, uh, you know, so if, if your organization isn't doing that sort of uh, organizational health survey, uh, I would definitely recommend doing that. But, uh, you know, stemming from that has been, uh, you know, just, just, uh, putting the fun back in the work. <laughs> That's something that I am probably known for a lot on the team, but, uh, you know, a, a good example of that is, uh, recently we, uh, were in contact with a, a software developer, um, who was creating, you know, some, some different solutions for the nonprofit sector around uh, COVID, you know, just considering ways that, that they could, uh, um, you know, donate their, their brain share to the sector. And uh, one of the things he's working on is a VR platform. Um, so we, uh, we got to test it and, and, and give some feedback and he actually let us use it for our, um, weekly kudos meeting is what we call it. So at uh, kudos meetings, they're every Thursday, the last 30 minutes of every Thursday. We had been doing them by Google Meets uh, during this time of um, staying at home. But uh, for the past two weeks, we've done them through this VR platform and it, it is just really, really fun. Um, so uh, it's called Join VR. Give, give the program a shout out. Um, they have a website. But uh, yeah, just, just putting fun back in the work and, uh, and, and realizing that, uh, you know, we do have serious, serious things we're working on. All nonprofits are just, you know, we're, we're, we're stretched as it is, but, it's, you know, especially right now, um, you know, we, we can definitely be feeling some pain and, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes easy to dial in too much to the work without stepping back and, and realizing your, your impact. But uh, the more you can sneak in moments of doing that, I think the better.
But even just um, the shout outs and the recognition, I mean, it, it speaks to just how authentic the culture is at, at Charity Navigator and um, just the, the team first mentality that, that you all have. Um, and we really appreciate you being generous with your time, Kyle, uh, giving us nearly an hour here. I think there's there's uh, topics here that could spawn off into um, two or three podcast episodes there may even be an expanded universe of podcasts within this conversation. I think it's been so valuable for the audience. So we appreciate you sharing so much information and, and your very unique and valuable perspective in this industry. If our listeners would like to learn more about you or charity navigator, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to learn more about me, uh, LinkedIn is, uh, probably the, the best route, uh, just Kyle Gardner. Um, pretty, pretty unoriginal name. Uh, you, you should be able to find me, uh, if you just Google search Kyle Gardner, charity navigator, but, uh, in terms of linking up with us, uh, charity navigator.org, uh, is our website. Excellent. And we will link to, um, we will link to your information in the show notes, Kyle Gardner, thank you so much for your time today and all this information. I know it's going to help a lot of the fundraising leaders who listen to the show. Uh, so much unique advice from uh, a very, uh, very valuable perspective. So we really appreciate your time today and uh, you uh, taking the time to joining us. Yeah, no problem, Dan. It was absolutely my pleasure. And, you know, you alluded to uh, covering off on uh, some of these topics on a, on another uh Another episode, be more than happy to, to entertain that discussion. Oh, I appreciate that. You're welcome back anytime you'd like. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks, Kyle. Have a great day. You too.